0: Hi everybody, Dave Therrien here, and I want to welcome you to our sermon series, Seven Things to Watch Out For. Because as believers, we want to, you know, avoid the stumbling blocks, and today we got a good one. Today we're going to talk about watching out for carnality. Carnality can knock us out of fellowship with God, out of the will of God. It really is a dangerous place to be. So I want to get right into it because it's a very important message. Let's see what we can learn as we watch out for carnality. You know, living as a Christian will surround you with temptations from the world. Temptations always look good. That's why they're called temptations. They tempt you. They look good. They smell good. They feel good. Sometimes they even seem to make sense. We rationalize falling into temptation. Jesus is going to give a warning to a church in the city of Pergamum. And he's going to tell them to watch out for carnality or worldliness. Carnality is simply going the way of the world. The New American Standard Bible uses the word fleshly. Watch out for being fleshly. It means to be carnal or pertaining to the flesh, unregenerate. It even means animal. In other words, when someone operates fleshly, they're, op- they're operating like a non-believer in Jesus Christ. Paul said to the Corinthian church, in the Corinthian church, there was a lot, there was a lot of divisiveness. There were cliques. There was lack of love. And he said to them, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly or carnal? And are you not walking like mere men? In other words, you're acting like people that don't know God. That's what he's saying to them. You guys know God, but you're acting like you don't know God. You're living in a way as if there is no God. Well, we're currently in a series entitled Seven Things to Watch Out For and taken from the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And here's what we learned to watch out for so far. Number one... Watch out that you do not let your love grow cold for Christ. Be careful. Be careful that you don't just like cool down. How do you know you're cooling down? Because your attitude toward your Christianity is kind of like blended in with your attitude toward everything else in the world. There's nothing special about it. There's nothing unique about it. You're not going the extra mile with it. You know, when love grows cold, it's like, eh, whatever. You stop living for that thing. We also learned, watch out, that when trouble comes, don't be afraid. Do not fear. And this is why. For momentary light affliction, remember momentary in God's eyes, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. That what God is going to give us in the end far outweighs anything we could experience in this life. And this is how. This is how we do it. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporal. Oh, but the things which are not seen are Eternal. So Jesus said to the church, Be faithful, yeah, even until death. Be faithful. Have no reason not to be faithful. No reason at all. Even if your life is on the line. Have no reason not to be faithful. And he said, I will give you the crown of life. So like we said, Loyalty to Christ brings its own reward. There will be a reward. Now, today we're going to see the third warning. Watch out for carnality. Or watch out for going the way of the world, worldliness. We pick it up in verse 12 of Revelation 2. To the angel of the church in Pergamum. Now, again, it's good to understand what these cities are like that these letters are going to. Uh... Pergamum was not on a trade route like Ephesus or Smyrna, as we studied. Uh, But it was considered the greatest of the ancient cities. That's because it was a capital, think about it, for 400 years. 400 years, it was a capital. Uh, It was built on a high hill overlooking a valley in the Mediterranean Sea how beautiful it was. It was a center of culture and learning. And it had the second largest library in the whole world, Alexandria, having the largest. And parchment was invented there. Parchment was processed animal skin for writing on. Up until then, they wrote on papyrus. Papyrus was was taken from weeds, and weeds were ground up and like baked and smoothed out and made into paper. But they didn't have the durability that parchment had. So they invented parchment and pergamum. And, um, it was much longer lasting writing on processed animal skins. Okay. So I want you to notice with each city that he addresses, Jesus ascribes a different title to himself. And here he ascribes to himself. The one who has the sharp, two-edged sword says this. Now, every title is meaningful to the people in the city. The one who has the sharp, two-edged sword. Why did he say that? Because some Roman governors had what is called the right of the sword. What's the right of the sword? It's the authority to have a man executed on the spot just by saying it, just by his word. The governor could say, execute that man, and boom, he'd be executed right there. Pergamum had this authority going on in the city, and it was used against many Christians. Many Christians were executed right on the spot at the word of the governor. But Jesus ascribes to himself, the one that has the sharp, ooh, two-edged sword. Signifying greater power. And what he's saying to the Christians in Pergamum is, I know that the the authorities over you have great power. But let me encourage you. I have greater power. I have greater power than them. So make sure that you put your faith, your trust, and your confidence in me. Then in verse 13 he said, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Antipas was martyred for his faith in Christianity. Now, when Jesus said to the Christians, I know where you dwell, the word means to reside permanently. It means I know that you're there and you're there permanently, and you can't leave or you're not leaving. I understand that. Now, when Peter wrote his epistle, he called himself an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he said, to those who reside as aliens, and the word reside means to reside or to be a foreigner, but it was more of a temporary residence. So there is a difference that as foreigners, these Christians under Peter were moving, probably because of persecution. But Jesus is saying, I know you Christians in Pergamum, man, you are there, and you are there permanently. I understand that. Now, these Christians have a permanent residence in Pergamum. Now, again, being a pagan city, steeped in pagan religion and pagan culture, and it was so pagan That it was considered the place where Satan's rule was the strongest. That it's like Satan dwelt there, and Jesus said it, and Satan's throne is there. That's how, how evil and pagan this place is. You know, there's a principle here for us. Where you go and who you hang with and what you open yourself up to, you gotta be careful that you don't open yourself up to stronger powers. There are powers in the world. There are demonic powers in the world. There are, and they are waiting to overtake people. And we have to be so careful what we may avail ourselves to. And I believe that there are some places that Christians don't belong, that they are just like off limits. And maybe it's my personal conviction. I don't know if all Christians hold to this, but my personal conviction that there are certain places that we just don't go. And I would say one of them would be gambling casinos. I don't believe a Christian has any business in a casino. And I know they have good food, and I know they bring in good bands, but you know what? I don't think a Christian has any need to be there. Strip clubs, that one might be obvious to some. (laughs) Hope all, but maybe just some, I don't know. Christians don't need to be there. Uh, Psychics, I wouldn't think too many Christians go to psychic. There's a psychic in my neighborhood. Man, business is good. Get a Mercedes, BMW in the driveway. I'm like, whew, business is good. People go. There are just places that we don't go. There's no need to go. Why? You can open yourself up to stronger powers, to demonic powers. You know, pornography can open you up to demon possession. Drug addiction can open you up to demon possession. Eastern meditation can open you up to demon possession if you're not a Christian. can open you right up and they will come in. And if you are a Christian and you're involved in those things, then there'll be demon oppression. And I believe demon addictions that will control you. So we've got to be so careful where you go and who you hang with will open you up to very strong demonic powers. And Jesus is saying to the Christians in Pergamum, man, I know there's some strong demonic powers right there. Now, these Christians held their ground in this society. They didn't deny their faith in Christ, although some were moderate. They were faithful right to the death, like Antipas. But notice in verse 14, but Jesus said, you know, I do have a few things against you. You're doing some good things, but you got some other things going on, man. They're not that good. Because you have are some, some of you, Christians, who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit acts of immorality. Now, who was Balaam? Balaam was a wicked prophet. He led Israel astray. He wasn't a good guy. He put stumbling blocks in front of Israel, led them away from God. And this guy, Balak, Balak was a Moabite king. And he plotted with Balaam to cause the Israelite men to cohabitate with the women of Moab. God always said, don't go outside of your own people. Stay within your own people to pick a wife, to pick a husband. And Balaam and Balak teamed up and got the men to go outside and cohabitate with Moabites. Verse 15, that's why Jesus said, or verse 14, Balak put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. Also, to eat things sacrificed to idols, to commit acts of immorality. What happened? He got them to become, here it is, Connell, a worldly He got them to become worldly. He got them to become just like everybody else in the world. There's one thing we have to remember as Christians. And maybe after hearing this, you'll say, gee, I wish I wasn't a Christian. I know. (laughs) If you do, more politics. Because you know what it is? A real, if you're going to walk with Jesus Christ, you will be distinct from the world. You will be different. You will not blend in with everything else that people in the world are doing because we are distinct people. I like what one man said. He said, The man who is not prepared to be different need not start on the Christian way at all. Like, Whoa. Like, don't even bother getting saved. If you're going to continue to live the way you did, before you were saved. He's saying, don't even bother. Don't waste your time. Because that's not Christianity. Christianity brings change. Christianity makes a difference. It takes us out of the world and puts us in Christ. You know, there's a word in the New Testament that best describes the Christian man and woman. And it's the word hagias. And it means to be separate, or to be holy, or special, or different. And hagias, we translate it holy, and we use that word in our English language. We call it a holy day, or a holiday. A holiday, a holy day is a special day. The 4th of July is a holiday. It's a special day. We do things on that day that we don't do other days, usually. You know, we have a parade. We have fireworks. We have family gatherings and cookouts. And, you know, it's a special day. And we have holidays all throughout the year. We don't go to work. We celebrate. It's a holy day, a holiday. Uh, A building can be a holy building, a church is a special building, a library, or the capital of a state or a country. It's a holy building in the sense that it is a special building, that certain things go on in those buildings that don't go on in other buildings. God is Hagias. God is holy. He is totally different from humankind, totally different from everyone else. So a Christian is Hagias is holy. Because he or she is different from other people. That we are different from people that don't know Christ. We think differently. We speak differently. We act differently. We respond to circumstances in life differently because why? We're holy. We're different. We're special. I'm not saying we're better, but we are different from them. Paul said to the church in Corinth, he said, Listen, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. Come out from the midst of the worldly ones. This doesn't mean we hate the world, and we hate all the people in the world, but it just means to be different from those that are in the world, that's all. Verse 15, he said, So you also have some who, in the same way, hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Who are the Nicolaitans? Very worldly people who lived in idolatry, fornication, very loose morals. Those are the Nicolaitans. And you see, the world has its own way of living. The world has its own approach to life, which is very anti-God. The the approach to life in the world is Free sex Abortion Is a convenient solution Independence from God Man, who needs God? Why do you need a crutch? Why do you need God? Gender conversion It's okay now It's alright Change what you are Change what God made you to be Assisted suicide now Which will lead to euthanasia when people get to such an age where they're not considered useful and be put away. Recreational marijuana. See, it's the way of the world. These are some areas that the Christian stands out from the world. These are areas that the Christian does not go into to be a Christian. I want to show you a short video. It's a newscast. And I want you to see what's happening in Canada. And by the way, it's already affecting the West Coast, of course, California. And it's It's going to be sweeping across the nation. And I'm going to tell you something. As God's people, there comes a point where we can't roll over and play dead. We're going to have to stand up for what's right. So let's watch this newscast.
1: Welcome to Christian World News, everyone. I'm Wendy Griffith. And I'm George Thomas. In Canada, a radical sex ed curriculum being pushed in public schools by the LGBT community has parents afraid their children will become confused and even brainwashed. That's exactly right, George. But as I discovered in my recent trip to Canada, there could be a silver lining. This issue is waking up a sleeping church. A family can be made up in many different ways. It's called Soji for sexual orientation and gender identification, a curriculum that teaches public school students across Canada to celebrate the homosexual lifestyle and that gender is fluid. In other words, your gender is not dependent on what parts you were born with, but rather what you feel like. In the moment, there's people that are boys. There's people that are girls. There are are people whose gender might be a little bit of both, or might even be neither. Lessons include books about transgender children, such as Ten Thousand Dresses, and songs like The Rainbow Song. Gender won't decide the choices we make. Some boys like dressing up. Some girls like catching snakes. The Soji curriculum started in British Columbia in 2016 and is quickly spreading throughout Canada. I just thought, who decided that this was okay to teach our children? Author and inspirational speaker, Laura Lynn Tyler-Thompson is a leading voice against the SOGI curriculum. And we are seeing the results of that now because some kids are reacting very emotionally and saying, you know, and they're in fear. Will I be? You know, will I suddenly struggle with feeling like a different gender inside of my body? No. Carrie Simpson of Culture Guard, another leading opponent, calls the curriculum nothing short. Of child abuse all those beautiful qualities that make young girls beautiful girls and women are being basically vilified the things that make our boys boys are being you know taken from them um, so things of equating young men to being strong protectors is something that's now evil but Morgan OJ a transsexual and supporter claims it's about acceptance not indoctrination the idea is to teach kids that there are gay kids and there are trans kids and there are trans parents and gay parents in our society, and the, and everybody's wanted and desired. After all, that's what our human rights code says, and it's the role of schools to teach the to teach the following of our laws,
0: right? That's the devil. That's the devil. That's the throne of Satan, and I'll tell you what, man, it is. Very, very real. That's why it's so, it's so timely that this is happening, too. That we are going to p- present a, um, a series beginning, let's see what the date is. There it is. February 21st. We're going to do a Wednesday night series. It's about eight weeks. Michael King was here a few weeks ago when he talked about some of these things. And we're going to go through this book, Engage Your Community. And um, it's going to help us to understand what's happening in this country regarding abortion and euthanasia and Mm -hmm. gender confusion and how it's affecting the public school system that's why I'm becoming more and more of an advocate of Christian school unless parents get involved in the public school and if you have kids in public school you need to have a voice and you need to stand up against this stuff because they will be indoctrinated if you'd like to sign up for this eight-week class it'll be right in here It'll be our midweek service. You can pick up the book or order the book at the media center for $5. We want you to pay for it before we order it. If you can't afford the $5, I will personally buy it for you. That's how important this is, that we really need to address this because it's coming. And I just want us to be informed people. I don't want us to be dumb. I want us to be smart. I want us to be informed. You know, in the days of the Holocaust, you know what I read? that when the trains carrying the Jewish people to the gas chambers went by the churches, you know what the people in the churches did? They sang louder. They sang louder so they couldn't hear the rumbling of the train on the tracks. They knew it was wrong, but they didn't do anything about it. Let's just sing louder. Let's just look the other way and maybe it'll go away. It doesn't go away. Satan's throne won't go away until Jesus Christ comes and takes it away. So I really want you to consider making an eight-week commitment. Wednesday nights, beginning on the 21st. We'll order the books in a couple of weeks. We'll take this week, next week, and we'll take your orders, and then we're going to order them, and it's going to be a great series. Hope you'll do that, okay? Okay, we're in verse 16. Jesus said then to them, Therefore, repent. Or else I'm coming to you quickly and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. Now, what does the word repent means? It means to turn around in your mind to think differently. That's what it means. That your thinking is not straight. It's not right. You gotta, see, before you can turn your life around, you gotta turn your thinking around. The Christian life is all about thinking. It's a mental exercise. It's not about emotion and feeling. It's about thinking. So that's why I believe the battlefield, the spiritual battlefield, is in our mind. Satan fires projections and thoughts and fiery dots into the mind to get us to develop a frame of reference that's so ungodly, that's so evil, And evil, if it's left untouched, you know what? It becomes the norm. And that's what's happening with this whole LGBT lifestyle. It's becoming the norm. Imagine if Christians raised their voice the way they did. If Christians were as influential as the homosexual community is influential. I'm going to tell you what's happening. They're starting to run for office. And they're going to be in the government. And they're going to start changing laws more and more and more. Well, we can really see now what Jesus meant when he said, it's the narrow road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And be careful of that wide road that leads to destruction. Make sure you're on that narrow road. Take people with you on that narrow road. To make a difference in this world. Let your light shine that men can see your good works. Thanks for coming along and we'll see you next time as we continue this series.